0: Since its establishment in 1913, the Fed has increased public confidence in our monetary system and earned a reputation as a strong and credible inflation fighter. In the area of electronic banking, the Federal Reserve plays a leading role in bringing the benefits of a faster, more efficient, and secure payments mechanism to the economy. Broadcasting from Brisbane, Australia, this is a FOMO Show.
1: I'm Matt. And I'm Joe. And this is a podcast where you'll hear about blockchain, cryptocurrency, emerging markets and future tech in relatively plain English.
0: We'll help you stay across what's going on so you don't get the fear of missing out.
1: You can find us at FOMO.show or by searching for The FOMO Show on your podcast app of choice. Everything in the show is in the show
0: notes. so You can find links to the stuff we're talking about and timestamps to the relevant parts. So you can always skip ahead or find it later and um, yeah, do check out the description for the links.
1: So this episode, we're going to be covering a bunch of news. There's a lot that's happened this last week Mm -hmm. and some really interesting topics that that we're going to touch on. So Mm. we're going to run through all that. We're also going to do a feature this week on the state of the blockchain. We figured it was about time we took a bit more of an overall view of everything that's been going on and just share some of our thoughts about where we think things are and where Mm. we think things might be going in the future as well in relation to Blockchain, distributed ledger and smart contract technology. Mm. You know, I think we might also be checking in with Jordan <laughs> as well. <laughs> oh, that our, uh, illustrious that's scoundrel. illustrious reporter who, last we saw, he was on the run from the Australian Federal Police. Ah, well. So, <laughs> who yeah. knows where he is? Let's jump into it. So, what have you been up to this week?
0: I've been trying and failing to uh, set up some adverts for the FOMO show to try and oh, yeah. reach us out to a new audience. I figured I'd make an ad... A small mobile ad that will show just in podcast players, just for people who are interested in technology, Mm. technology and uh, economics and finance and that sort of thing. The only problem is it's been a while since I've made banner adverts and I keep falling foul of Google's standards for advertising. So... (laughs) Uh, it's been a bit strobing, the GIFs that I've made, because I wanted to make them stand out just a little bit. Mm. But um, even the tiny bits, Google, that you do, Google thinks that that's making strobing lights and
1: stuff like that. Oh, so. right, because it might be health hazard or uh, something. Yeah, there was the,
0: it's not. It's literally not even strobing. It's just making like a little play button, just sort of like jump out just a little bit and then mm. come back. But, yeah, and little bits and pieces every time I want to make it stand out just a little bit. But, uh <laughs>
1: So you're not even falling foul of the cryptocurrency, you know, regulations or anything I like that. I haven't got have far around. enough to
0: be rejected on that <laughs> level. So, yeah, I've, I, I've made like five, six different adverts. They all looked amazing, yep. but they will never go
1: live. Because um, we tried with Facebook a while ago, didn't we? And yeah. it, just, it, just didn't, it just didn't happen mm, at all. So, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. What okay. about you? What have you been up to? Uh, what have I been up to? I've been really sick. <laughs> mm, yeah, mm. this last probably week or so, I was completely knocked out of action Eesh, with how, how sick I've been. So I picked up a virus from I don't know where. And um, you know when you're that sick that you, you can't remember what it was like to feel well and you don't think you're mm. ever going to feel well again? Mm. That was where I was at.
0: Side note, you don't get viruses on Linux.
1: That's right, <laughs> but uh, yeah, just preparing for the next uh, blockchain for business meetup oh, as well, that? which is this Thursday. Oh, it's with Amelia Franklin of oh, Bean Ledger. Yeah, Yeah. What is,
0: wait, Bean Ledger—that's um, something for the coffee industry. Yeah, for
1: the coffee industry. So it's a uh, provenance and governance information supply chain kind of distributed ledger solution. Ooh. So she's been in the coffee industry for about 15 years, I think. And wow. there's a lot of issues with traceability within that industry cool. um, all the way from the beans mm-hmm. to then to the farms to then to the harvesting and all the way through the supply chain itself. So they're step-by-step step going to be tackling that and they've looked wow. at distributed ledger as a solution for a you know a shared source of truth that's essentially what they're they're wanting to use it for so ambitious project um and she'll be coming along on thursday night here in brisbane to talk about it so by the time this airs it will probably have already happened Mm. um but yeah i'm sure you'll be seeing more from her around joe is this investment or any other type of advice
0: no no, well, that's it's not. Good. So we in this show are just chatting about stuff that we love. We're not saying you should buy anything at all. No assets, no blockchain stuff, no stocks, no shares, no people. Don't buy stuff.
1: Um, just save your money. Yeah. So if you, we talk about a project, it doesn't mean you should buy it. So do your research, never invest more than you can afford to lose. And most importantly, avoid the fear of missing out. If you're new around here and you're new to crypto, check out our
0: Blockchain Basics series. It starts from episode two and continues till episode eight.
1: It'll give you some grounding in the fundamentals and help you understand what on earth we're talking about. So what have we got in the news this week? First bit of news, following on from that thing you were
0: saying about Bean Ledger, Walmart, the probably world's largest retailer, who knows, Mm. they've told produce suppliers to use blockchain by next September.
1: Yeah, so... According to a letter sent to suppliers, any company working with Walmart must work with the IBM Food Trust Network to create end-to-end traceability in two phases. The blockchain platform will make it easier for Walmart to source any food items quickly, with the release noting that tracing such items at present is an almost insurmountable challenge. Mm. So here we've essentially got uh, another massive company, and we've seen that this was coming for a a while, I think, Mm. but they're essentially saying, look, this isn't... This is a level playing field, we can all agree on it. Nothing's working currently. Whatever we're doing is what whatever we're doing currently isn't working. So everyone needs to swap to this. Yeah. Yeah. So they're obviously seeing some significant value in it then.
0: Well, according to this article that came out of Coinbase, it said the move comes in the wake of an E. coli outbreak that originated in Arizona earlier this year. While authorities at the Centre of Disease Control um, warned consumers to avoid lettuce grown near the city of Yuma, Walmart Vice President of Food Safety noted that it was difficult for customers to confirm exactly where their produce was grown. So in the future, using the technology we're acquiring, a customer could potentially potentially scan a bag of salad... And know with certainty where it came
1: from. And that's that, I guess that's the key with the distributed ledger technology is once that food enters the chain, once that begins being entered somewhere in the supply chain on the distributed ledger, then it's there for good. You mm. know exactly where that mm. food's come w- from and no one can dispute it. So then you can make API calls to the, the network. You can make information requests to the network. So it would be as simple as mm. opening up your, you know, whatever front end they put on this and saying... What food has come from Yuma? And there it all is. You know? Wow. So, yeah. IBM
0: is seriously banking on this stuff. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We, we, we go from loving and hate to hating to loving again, but it's pretty wild.
1: Well, they're doing stuff. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it's working. You know, mm. they, they wouldn't be sending a letter out saying our customers all need to adopt this unless it was working. And they've mm. essentially said any companies that have supplies of their own will have until the end of September 2019 to integrate the network vertically. So, they're essentially just giving them a year. They're saying, you've got a year to get yourself onto well, our system.
0: August 2019 is be yeah. a massive rush. <laughs> cool. We'll yeah. get into the blockchain consulting business if you're living in the US. <laughs> there you go. Do you know much about CRISPR, the DNA Genome editing tool.
1: No, that's about the extent of what I know about it. Oh, right. Yeah. Well,
0: neither of us are really experts (laughs) here, but crazy headline out of Futurism, scientists wiped out a mosquito population by hacking their DNA with this CRISPR technology. So for their study that was published in the journal uh, Nature Biotechnology, the researchers used CRISPR to modify the gene responsible for determining sex in 150 male mosquitoes that alteration made the male gene dominant. So what that idea was, was over time, the population would stop producing females, driving them to collapse, which it did.
1: Wow. Yeah, so they've they've essentially wiped out an entire population through this technique. And it was yeah. as simple as... Hacking the DNA, which is kind of scary. Mm, mm. I mean, if they because if they can do it with mosquitoes, deep
0: and dark on the pharma mm, show. Mm. Now, I guess in our defence, um, well, yeah, you could do that, definitely do that, but it would take like a lot. It would it would have to take time, like that, yeah. getting through the population. Because I guess yeah. mosquitoes have like what is it like a however many day lifespan? Maybe yeah, a day. Yeah, it's not long. Yeah, yeah, not long at all. So yeah. it'd be easier to do that, but yeah, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of wild. Yeah, I think th- just a few mosquitoes. Go out and breed and then pfft.
1: it's such an interesting application because I can see something similar happening in say the agricultural industry with a lot of the bugs mm. that farmers are currently because wow. the reason why we have to spread so much chemicals on our, on the crops at the moment mm. is because these bugs are so hard to kill mm-hmm. and uh, all they do is just eat the 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 food and the the thing is so most of them are introduced they're not even native to Australia oh,
0: Okay, right. so they're,
1: they're introduced they're very destructive on the environment and so I obviously think that there would be certain chemical companies that would not want this to happen. Mm -hmm. But if we're then to say, well, we're going to attack heliophis bugs, for example, which is one of the bugs that affects a lot of vegetables here in this part of Australia, they could effectively say we're going to introduce the same thing with them. Mm. And uh, and all of a sudden we wouldn't have to spray our crops with anywhere near as many pesticides. So
0: I guess the question needs to be (laughs) the law needs to ensure that it only targets things that are non-native. Yeah, for to a country, for yeah, example, or that, certain emergencies. Well,
1: yeah, because the other issue is even for things that are not native, some of them are so integrated into the food chain now mm. that to take them completely out would be really yeah, destructive. Yeah, so that's, yeah,
0: there's like a whole knock-on effect because then mm. there's a whole bunch of stuff that's not getting its food.
1: That, that's right. You know, and then things th- feed on that, and it, yeah. So you'd The have consequences to be very careful. are unknown. Yeah. Yeah. So next bit of news, 70% of the small-capped cryptocurrency tokens are now worth less than what the ICO raised in the first place. Are you surprised? Not at all. (laughs) So according to the
0: report, um, which was compiled by cryptocurrency research firm DR, the 562 ICO tokens ranked, ranked outside the 100 largest cryptocurrency market caps have collectively lost $5 billion in nominal value against what these sales raise for the funding teams, with 70% of individual tokens seeing losses.
1: Yeah, and so there's a graph in this article, and it has a top 10 losers against capital ICO funding. So, for example, right at the top, we've got Siren Labs, which raised $158 million, currently has a market cap of $17 million, which equates to a nominal loss of 141 million dollars.
0: Yeah, that massive shortfall doesn't even include the value of the tokens reserved for the development team. Or
1: yeah, yeah. But the thing to say is that the company itself hasn't lost any of that money. That's just the value of the token. Mm-hmm. So it's all the investors.
0: Mm-hmm. That the have founders lost got that. that in Ethereum, right?
1: That's right. Yeah, they got that in Ethereum. So they're worth, you know, they've probably still lost five or six times what it was, you know, in the beginning of January, mm-hmm. but. If they were smart, if they had some good financial advice, they would have took a lot of that out, put it into fiat, uh, put it into some investments as well. They wouldn't have been holding all of it in Ethereum. I know some ICOs did and have significantly less than what they raised in their own coffers. Mm. But yeah, this is is all the people that bought the tokens themselves. Mm. And I guess it just goes to show that tokens really, unless they're, tied to equity in the company and an and entitlement to some of those profits from the company or the value that was raised, there's no real inherent value mm. with these things. You know, they, they, most of them are dropping towards zero.
0: Yeah. Apparently, 324 tokens that collectively raised $2.3 billion have still yet to list on
1: any of the hundreds of cryptocurrency exchanges. Mm. So, next bit of news... Two of blockchain's biggest consortiums have just joined forces. So this is out of Coindesk. And announced Monday, the Hyperledger Project and the Enterprise Ethereum Alliance, and we've talked about both of these on the show before, have agreed to collaborate on bringing common standards to the blockchain space and cross-pollinate a wider open source community.
0: So the article was saying that this joining of forces is notable as both organizations represent two of the three largest and arguably most influential enterprise blockchain communities. The third being uh, the R3 quarter ecosystem. So if they succeed in creating common standards between the platforms, it could actually sway enterprises who were previously on the fence to actually build their blockchains on one side or the other. So the risk is of being you know put into a silo that doesn't speak to another system is mm. actually being addressed so mm. it's kind of good news
1: yeah yeah cutting through like all the the usual marketing speak in this announcement like it is quite positive you know they they this is something that happens as industries mature people start to build standards and start to agree on certain ways they should do things across the board because while these alliances or organizations may be in competition at the face at face value it's in both organizations best interest to come up with some common ground so that They, you know, they they all may have some big clients, and if they've got these common standards, then they can start developing applications and projects that will Mm, that will play mm, nice mm, with mm, each project. mm. And look, Hyperledger and I think the Enterprise Ethereum Alliance as well—they're using more and more of each other's tech in some of the projects that they're building as well, too. So, yeah, I I think it's good. I think more collaboration is good. I think the quicker that we can come up with some real standards, that will be that'll be great. It's just it just. Remains to be seen whether Ethereum or Hyperledger will remain relevant in the long-term mm, enterprise mm, mm, sphere. Mm. But it's good news. So next bit of news, Coinbase has introduced a way of reducing users stuck Bitcoin transactions. So
0: there's a lot of sort of technology that they go through in their in their blog to discuss this, but essentially Coinbase make a more profitable transaction available to miners, but the structure of their own transaction requires the miners to also pick up some less profitable transactions in order to get that more profitable one through. So it's like dangling a uh, carrot and then pushing through a bunch of like smaller transactions as sort of ch- child transactions. Yeah, okay. So it's using some like clever... There's a bunch of maths behind it in the blog, but it's kind of interesting. So yeah, they say that if a customer's transaction happens to be stuck pending for at least four blocks. So what's that, 40 minutes or so? Mm. They'll broadcast and pay for a child transaction at a sufficient fee rate in order to rescue the parent.
1: I'd love to see how they do that oh, technically. Mate, mate. That'd be really interesting to see how they like tell the miners that to send this transaction through, you also have to send these other transactions through. It's really interesting. Worth checking out the,
0: um, the blog post. There's some, fortunately for me, there were diagrams because uh, I don't
1: do well with
0: long descriptions with maths. But it's really interesting. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah, definitely worth having a read through it when you get the chance. It's, it's really interesting the way that some of these big exchanges are coming up mm. for, with creative ways mm. to take their own centralized service and make sure it's pretty seamless on a mm. decentralized mm.
0: system. Because they've just automated this whole thing. Mm. Like no no need for stuff by the user. And yeah, it's all about like the user experience. It's a good move.
1: Yeah, yeah. And the, look, the, the better we can make our on-ramps and off-ramps, the better it is for everyone. I'm all for it. So next bit of news, Queensland blockchain startup Travel by Bit has just won a $3.5 million investment from global cryptocurrency exchange Binance. This is huge news. Yeah, yeah. So Travel by Bit, if you're not familiar with it, they're a Brisbane-based startup. Travel by Bit runs on a platform called Living Room Satoshi, right. which is, we've, t- we've talked about it on the show before, Living Room Satoshi was designed to essentially let you pay your bills with crypto. Mm-hmm. So the technology's there to handle payments. Travel by Bit came along and said, well, can we take that technology and can we m- build a platform that will allow merchants to take crypto and we just make sure the merchants get paid in fiat if they want it or they can keep the crypto if they want to keep the crypto as well. And so they designed a system and they've been going into stores now giving them like an iPad and mm-hmm. saying, here's the iPad, here's the interface. If you someone wants to pay with Bitcoin, you just press the Bitcoin button and put in the amount and it comes up with a QR code. And all you do on your phone is just scan that QR code and the payment just goes through. Wow. It's as simple as that. And so they essentially take the equipment in onboard the merchant, train the merchant in how to do it. And then the merchant's able to say, we take crypto and Travel by Bit puts it on their website. And their big marketing ploy has been that they are a way for you to come to Australia on a holiday and spend your money traveling. Mm. So literally travel by Bitcoin. That's why it was called Travel by Bit. But mm. uh, well, I may be overstating it, but I know there's a lot of stores on board now. They've really focused on like gra- grassroots, going to smaller businesses, equipping them to take crypto, and it's it's been amazing. You can pay nearly get anything here in crypto in Brisbane now. Mm. So it's big news that they've got they've got Binance on board, which mm. is the biggest exchange mm. in the world. Yeah, essentially empowering them, giving them money to take this this model that they've built here and they've tested it for nearly a year now mm. and they're saying, we want you to make it way bigger. We want mm. you to roll it mm. out to a whole bunch of other places. Yep. Here's a bunch of money. Now you can buy whatever equipment you need. You can put on some more stuff and I think it's it's brilliant because yep. these guys have proven that they're willing to do the hard yards. I know that the last nine months them hasn't been as easy because the market's been down mm-hmm. and uh, now, yeah, the biggest exchange in the world is, has seen them and wants to empower them so
0: that's fantastic
1: yeah huge yeah. shout out to those guys they mm. they really oh, i love it i love that i'm just able to go into a store and pay with crypto yeah and there
0: aren't many places in the world that you can really do that yeah in a
1: lot of places so yeah we're just lucky that we live
0: in sort of an exciting place for cryptocurrency
1: yeah and if you do live somewhere that lets you pay with crypto like make a point of searching them out and going and doing it because the merchants just want to know that they're only going to do something if people use it Mm. and if you don't use it you're most likely going to lose it so yeah just seek them out go in say hey thank you so much for for going to the effort to letting me pay in crypto and yeah i always try and as much as i can search search them out and Mm. and and use them because it's it's great This looks awesome. Starting in 2019,
0: um, Iridium Satellites will make uh, Iridium IoT services available with Amazon's web services IoT.
1: So in a first for the satellite industry, AWS IoT will create a simplified process for companies to integrate their Iridium Satellite suite uh, and increase speed for them to market. They're going to do that. Through the use of satellites,
0: it's pretty exciting. So their Iridium satellites aren't really cheap to to use. But they've got their own satellite array, like all around the world. Yeah, yeah. If you buy uh, want to buy a satellite phone, chances are it's an Iridium satellite phone. You, so it's its own proprietary network.
1: Right. So okay. it's,
0: they own the satellites. They own a lot of the hardware that comes with it. So building stuff that works with it yeah. is sort of permission based. Yeah. So. Working with Amazon for this, it's just bringing the power of Amazon to all those, um, yeah, all those satellite-based services.
1: Wow. So if you're a town in, say, Africa and you want to put in a solar farm hmm. to power the surrounding area, like if you need some internet functionality, like some IoT functionality, yeah, yeah, you could just point it at the sky and hook up to their network. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Wow. So okay.
0: there's so much potential with this. There could be a bunch of different uses for this. Yeah. Um, governmental being only one of them. But, mm. yeah, it's pretty mm. it's
1: pretty interesting stuff. And SpaceX have been launching a lot of these Iridium satellites as well, haven't they? It says here that they're it's a three billion network and SpaceX are about to do the eighth and final launch for the satellites. Wow. I'm yep. not as optimistic at some about satellites simply because I've experienced satellite <laughs> internet before yeah, uh, back in the day, but I'm told it's a lot better now and the – the satellites they're using now are also in like a lot lower orbit or something so right. they're a lot closer to the earth okay, rain right. season is bad
0: well apparently iridium have 630,000 active devices on their wow. iot network wow so their annual growth rate um compounded has been approximately 19% over the last 3 years wow Oh so mining companies yeah, will be using. It. Okay. Wow, so Remote like areas. when a when a dump truck wants to tip its load and you're measuring that, one of those tr- trucks that holds yeah, big, mining stuff. Big tip truck. Big tip truck. Yeah, yeah, when it tips, you know, you get to send off a little thing.
1: Yeah, there you go.
0: Airplanes, shipping. Sheesh.
1: Next bit of news, and this was one of the really interesting pieces of news this week. Mm. China hacked Top US companies with a computer chip. So, super super micro motherboards used by Apple, Amazon and other big companies contain Chinese spy chips, Mm. according to a recent report out of Bloomberg. According to unnamed officials familiar with the investigation...
0: The primary role was to open doors that other attackers could go through. So this article is claiming that Chinese military officials went in and and basically adjusted the design by putting a tiny little Mm. chip about the size of – well, smaller than a grain of rice
2: Mm.
0: into the board, which was different to how the chip was designed. Mm. And this chip had – it was very small, but it held enough code to be able to tell the base operating system that this was plugged into Mm. to access – one of us a, a server that they controlled, for example, which would grab more code to be able to run on these operating systems. So mm. it sounds like a very complex attack, but brilliant because these... Um, these chips were used on U.S. battleships. They were used by um, U.S. intelligence. And
1: yeah, so the way they found out was uh, Amazon were trying to acquire a company called Elemental Technologies. That's the one. And they were doing their due diligence. So they do high-level video compression right. on these specific chips. Yeah.
0: And these video chips were used by like drone, like drone, for drones, mm. so for comp- to sending drone footage <laughs> around the world. Yeah um well compressing it and then sending it so this was used in very sensitive environments
1: yeah right and so and 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 they sent this they said to this canadian company can you um just do some due diligence on these guys just look at their tech just we you know we want we want to know what we're buying and this canadian company came back to them or oh, this so the security company came back to them and they were like "Ah, uh, it's not good we found something that shouldn't be there and so they they had the blueprints of what these chips were meant to look like mm. way down to like the, the level that, you know, you're talking about the size of a little rice piece of rice, but, and you can see the blueprints on the article. It's a really well done article, by the way. It's really interesting, but it's the tiniest little part. And they said, yeah, look, this is what the blueprint is. And this is what we found. And that's not meant to be there. all of a sudden it was, it was panic stations. And funnily enough, Amazon still acquired the company.
2: Mm. They still
1: ended up buying the company, but, uh, but this it, it then went obviously went to the FBI or whoever else, and they started investigating, and they found that so many of these chips were had this little bit of extra hardware on them that they shouldn't have had, and mm. they traced it all the way back to the factories in China where this one component was assembled. It's absolutely nuts. Now, a lot of the companies involved have all
0: denied. Involvement in this, mm. I think it's almost every company that was involved denied that this has sort of happened. Mm. I was reading a security researcher wrote a piece where they pointed out that the whole article is based on 19 anonymous sources, but it doesn't mean that it's not worth knowing about. I mean, it's mm. a really interesting attack vector is going into the hardware, and China manufactures most of the world's chips, yeah, which is pretty scary,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it's just amazing how one. Tiny little portion of a chip can compromise the whole chip. Over time, if you know what you're doing, you don't need that much of a of, of a, like a leverage on the system before you can crack it right open and start installing whatever you want. It's a real it. Trojan horse. Yeah, yeah,
0: right. Yeah, yeah. It's good to know you can't trust your hardware. <laughs> but it's ingenious. Like it, absolutely,
1: it really ingenious. is. Yeah, and you actually picked up an article that said that there's another type of technology that probably would have spotted the floor in a matter of seconds.
0: Yeah, so um, the uh, Florida Institute for Cybersecurity Research um, has been developing sort of a technology to detect and counter this sort of attack. And their semi-automated system, they claim, could have identified this part in a matter of seconds to minutes. So this system uses optical scans, microscopy, microscopy, That's very difficult to pronounce. X-ray tomography and artificial intelligence to compare a printed circuit board board and its chips and components with the intended design. So it all comes down to the original intended design.
1: Yeah. And
0: it's very difficult to sort of detect this sort of stuff. And I guess
1: if you've got some complex imaging software and you've also got access to the blueprints, all you need to do is run every actual piece of hardware through that imager and have the, mach- the computer match it against the blueprints and just send you a warning if anything's different. Mm,
2: mm, mm. Mm.
1: Isn't it incredible though that stuff's getting that complex that companies are now going to have to start considering having machine learning X-ray machines investigate all their hardware as it wow, comes in yeah. from, the, from the outside manufacturers? It's crazy. Which is
0: unreal. And the more tech we have, the more attacks potential attacks there are.
1: Yeah. Eesh. Yeah,
0: D-Wave are launching a free quantum cloud service. So the Canadian company joins IBM and Rigetti in offering online access to the pricey quantum computer hardware. So they 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 launched a real-time online quantum computing environment called Leap, and Leap is the latest addition to the quantum cloud. So it's services that will virtualize quantum computing for almost anyone with a computer and broadband connection to use. Anyone can sign up, um, and giving them, and if you sign up, you get one minute of time on a cloud-connected two thousand Q each month. Wow! Now it doesn't sound like much, but a key advantage of quantum computing is being able to solve in milliseconds Mm. problems like factoring large numbers, or optimizing routes, or calculating molecular structures that would take traditional computers weeks.
1: Yeah, so along with granting access to this computer, they're also providing documentation, videos, training materials, and a community for like the majority developers who've never worked with a quantum computing device. So they're also offering an open source SDK, uh, which is a software development kit called Ocean, where you can actually build applications and solve problems on the computers, and you're also able to swap any hints and about codes that you create. So they're essentially giving people all the tools to be able to use this in a meaningful way as well. And they've said that there's an expectation that any software you develop using the open source ocean and the free access is contributed back to the community. It's all about bringing a large developer community together and letting them shape a support network among themselves. And this is big because like you said, you don't need long. You could potentially just write programs that just query at once and it may, you may only need a, a millisecond of time or two milliseconds of time, but quantum computing has been out of the reach of pretty much everyone mm. for a long time because it's so darn expensive to build one of these quantum computers mm. and keep it running. So there'll be some very excited people out there at that mm. news. I just, I just wonder how long it's going to take for someone to break, uh, break encryption. Mm.
0: Nothing to fear.
1: This is an exciting bit of gaming news. Google have
0: announced Project Stream, which lets you stream games inside Chrome.
1: Yeah, so Google's long and Yeti streaming service is now official. And uh, the, they've actually turned on support for Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which is one of the new Ur games that's come out in recent times. Uh.
0: Anyone who's accepted into the beta test will be able to play Odyssey in their browsers on a laptop or desktop, um, Google said. They're looking for people with internet speeds of 25 megabits per second or higher.
1: So the biggest question is, what about the lag? Mm. Because we saw what happened with OnLive. So there was a service called OnLive about probably over 10 years ago now where they tried to do something like this. And they were really ahead of their time. They understood that... Hardware was expensive and it was a lot cheaper for people just to stream games and pay a subscription service, but... No one's internet was up to the task first of all and second of all they tried to target the competitive gaming market the problem with that was that on a on a computer you've got you 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 press a button things happen really quick Mm. all it's got to happen is your movement command has got to go to the server Mm. but on something like on live or this new google platform you press a button that's got to go to the server then back to you then back to the it just there's an extra step there Mm. and so the big thing that killed OnLive was input lag. Wow. People were pressing a button and it was taking too long for their character to actually move. That's the big issue that Google's got to get over is how do they solve the speed of light? Hm. I mean, have you, seen, have you seen anything more on this? Like, do you know if they've got a, they've no, got a solution I ha- for I it? No, I
0: haven't looked, to be honest. Mm. Now, in other countries, if you live in the US, in Kansas City where Google's fiber is, or if you live in the Netherlands or if you live in South Korea, mm. this could be really awesome. If you live in Australia... Um, yeah, thanks for joining us.
1: Welcome to the PC Master Race.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, good luck with your 4G, which you're probably streaming this far because it's faster than your normal
1: internet. <laughs> it's so sad. So but sad. There, but it, it makes sense. Like if Netflix has is, Netflix is made it so that you don't bring DVDs home anymore, you just stream them from the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, so it makes sense that people are trying to start to do this with games again. So we're going to do a, a little feature before our main feature on uh, future transport. So there's been a bunch of future transport news that's come out recently and we just wanted to highlight where some of this is going because it's really interesting. Mm, well, the first
0: is a concept of a tractor f- from 2040. Two zero four zero. That is, um, and it's on a blog called Yanko Design, which is a great blog if you want to see cool design concepts of random products and stuff. It's worth following if you just like that sort of thing. But it's it's a concept of this autonomous tractor, and it was designed as part of this design challenge. And the vision was the year twenty forty, uh, and it's a clean, mean-looking tractor mm. that has enormous amounts of torque. And it's meant to rely on an autonomous operation, remote control via an app, and laser guidance. But it's got this amazing, ultra-modern look that almost reminds you of a monster truck. But it's also it's super smooth and it looks incredible. So check out the link in the show notes on Yanko Design. Um, it's called Tractors in Twenty Forty. Sure, look
1: intense. I'd buy that tractor. Oh, they've, but they've actually like gone to the effort of making sure that it's got real tractor machinery on it. So, if you actually look at the front and the back of the tractor, they've actually got P- what's called PTO shafts. Oh. So, the little circular thing with yeah. the little thing in the middle, that's what you plug. And if your plough has moving parts on it mm. that like move independently of the plough, yeah, that's what you use that PTO shaft wow. for. So, it'll spin. And they've been using that for 70 or 80 years now and the technology hasn't really changed. But that's how you get movement into your plows oh, so it's yeah. not just a pretty looking tractor it actually has been at least designed from a design perspective to be functional as well
0: wow that's insane cool. yeah. Look, we, like we would not have known that unless you were you grew up on a farm that's wild
1: it was yeah it was the first thing i looked for i was like oh is this just some artist's like silly design of a tractor? and then i was yeah pleasantly surprised wow. they've got all the bits you'd need there so crazy yeah and then it's then we're moving on to
0: self-driving
1: trucks. So, this was really interesting. It was out of a blog called nextbigfuture.com. And it's talking about how self-driving trucks will cut logistics costs in halves and boost GDP. And it said the digitization and automation of processes and delivery by vehicles will reduce logistics costs for standardized transport by up to 47% by 2030. Uh, And that's come out of a recent study by PwC's strategy and consultancy arm.
0: Now the Global uh, Truck Study 2018 has found that 80% of these savings will be attributable to the reduction of personnel in the transport and logistics industry. So this is saying laying people off and, and turning things autonomous. In addition, there'll be enormous increases in efficiency. Autonomous lorries, for example, will be able to travel 78% of the time from 2030 onwards.
1: And that'll be because there's no brakes for drivers or idling or anything like that. They'll just be able to go and go and go and Mm. go and go stopping in for maintenance every now and then I guess
0: Hmm. so they project sort of how things go right now so they're saying current technology then by 2020 you know 5% extra you know uh, efficiencies and um, you know logistics and drone automated inventory and and sort of electric vans coming in and then talking about 2025, automating a lot of things, and then by 2030, sort of shifting everything towards autonomous is kind of interesting. Mm. And they're saying this will have a knock-on effect on GDP.
1: Yeah, and it's almost exponential when you look at the amount that they're, they're saying it will affect it. They've got 5%, then 20%, then 47% in the space of 10 years, so it's really looking like that they're thinking it's going to ramp up really quickly.
0: So yeah, they're saying that the first thing they need to do is cut down on the fuel cost because internal combustion engine accounts for 97% of the market. So new engine types will drop that down. And then after fuel, the next biggest cost is the driver. And then, yeah.
1: Well, I guess, I mean, that's one of the biggest ones, isn't it? The fact that you don't actually have to have a driver because so much of these logistics companies is actually just centered around managing drivers. They're essentially saying that, if you could, if you cut that out and you, the truck is just operating autonomously and it's really only coming in to recharge its batteries mm. or something, the rest of the time it can just be running and running all the time and just doing whatever the system needs it to do, mm. which may mean you need less trucks. Well, it would mean you need less trucks as well. Wow, yeah, because
0: massive efficiency gains. Yeah, so yeah,
1: yeah, or you can do more, either or. The um,
0: highways are going to be a strange place in 10 years.
1: Yeah. If you ever come to Australia and drive on our roads, you'll welcome the advent of autonomous cars pretty heavily because there's just a lot of bad drivers here. (laughs) But especially on the highways. Like Mm. the highways, I think, is probably where not only is it going to make traffic flow a lot better and make things a lot less congested, but I think it's just going to be a lot safer too. Mm. There's a lot of accidents on our highways
0: so if you Even just syncing up a bunch of cars at a traffic light to all just start at the same time, even if they're human-powered, but when you get to traffic lights, m-
1: machines take over. Yep.
0: If everybody leaves a traffic light on green, we all start accelerating.
1: Yep. Yeah.
0: And then, like, imagine that. That would just be incredible.
1: That'd be amazing. Well, you, you may not even need traffic lights then. If-
0: so cyclists will actually be terrorists. <laughs> yeah.
1: Because <laughs> everything will stop when even bikes thought come of through. that. What, what's going to happen to the cyclists? <laughs> They're not going to be able to ride on the road.
0: Then there's another cool concept that came out of Volvo. Um, they introduced Vera, which is a uh, it's it's an autonomous truck. Um, it's designed for sort of ports and like sort of closed sort of areas where there's um, there are re- highly repetitive short distance flows. But it's basically a truck. Without the entire top cab, it's just this flat thing lower than a a convertible car. Mm.
1: It looks kind of like a convertible car too. It looks really cool.
0: Yeah. looks like the
1: kind of thing you'd want to drive if it was a sports car. Yeah, well, instead it's got like a turntable on the back of it so you can hook a semi-trailer up to it. Yeah,
0: so designed to just drive around ports and stuff. Really worth checking out the video. Some beautiful Swedish voices just talking in English.
1: Just Swedish being Swedes, really. Hey, they've built... They just... They do everything so well. Oh, mate. There's even an old clip
0: in the video where he strokes the Volvo
1: logo. That's right. it. You can can always hear him saying, I'm Swedish. (laughs) I'm superior to you. They make you sick. (laughs)
0: Let's
1: do everything well.
0: (laughs) And then let's not forget Google, have got Waymo, which is a self-driving truck company, and they've been... There have been some shots that have been teased of that. We'll put a link into one of those, but, yeah, it's kind of nuts.
1: There's also the HCT uh, Hyperloop passenger pod, which has just been unveiled, which can travel at 760 miles per hour. So, yeah,
0: they they um, this, this company, there are two – I think it's two big companies that are lo- pushing this Hyperloop idea mm. around. Now, if you haven't heard of it before, it's basically a big – Massive tube, imagine a hose pipe with low pressure but just really big. And then these pods would be able to hold, uh, I think it's like 12 or more passengers in it, mm. and they'd basically shoot through these pods. So you'd be able to travel from city to city really, really fast faster than most other forms of transport. Mm. And it takes a very small amount of energy. And yeah, these tubes are also magnetic, so yeah, that's just another part of the excitement. They said that they're hoping to have a full Hyperloop system up and running in three years. Wow. Um, and he's saying passengers would actually need to sign a waiver before boarding it um, because they still need to work out legal and safety requirements. But um, worldwide adoption of Hyperloop transport could come in maybe five to ten years. Wow. 2018 has been a crazy year for crypto. And blockchain... And, in all, I mean, there's been news, news stories coming out every day. There's been a, a bear market that's gone on for longer than most bears on this planet have lived. Um, there's, a, there's a bunch of things going on. What's been on your mind recently?
1: Right now is a really good time while things, are, things seem to be a bit quieter as a whole. And yeah, like you said, the bear market's gone on for a, a while. So I thought now would be a good time to sit down and actually just discuss where things are at. So what's what's been happening in the blockchain space uh, with the technology and distributed ledger, smart contracts, all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. for the last 10 or ten or 12 or so months and discuss a bit of that and then think about where things are going to be going as well in the future because this market could shift at any time. There could be some great new announcements at any time. Uh, one of the big things is there's some some platforms that are really beginning to build steam. I know that... As as much as some people are maligning EOS, they're getting they 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 seem to be building and building more each day. Cardano are doing similar. Uh, I know that there's a few other platforms out there that like V and a few others that are that are doing a lot of building. We were just looking at the OpenLaw web page, which mm. is built on Ethereum, and they've they've made some big strides. And projects like ZeroX which decentralized exchanges have have come a long way as well. So, we're just going to run through some topics for this feature and we're just going to discuss have a pretty wide-ranging discussion about where things are at. So, yeah, just sit back mm. and sit back and enjoy the ride, I think.
0: Now, before we jump into it, can I just reiterate we've made this point episode after episode and the user experience for crypto is just horrific. I mean, Nowhere else, no other payment mechanism is this convoluted and Mm. confusing to newcomers. Yeah,
1: We were even talking before about a a donate button for the podcast. We were still saying you need to have the full however many characters address Mm. to be able to donate to and you need to copy that to clipboard and then Mm. there's not that turnkey solution yet like a PayPal or a Stripe which will... Will you know have add a bit more convenience to the process? I think it's mm. got a long way to go. I know you've had a lot of issues with the user experience for a fair while now.
0: I complain a lot, so yeah, yeah, that's fair.
1: But what's like what's what are some of the the things that really frustrate you? And then where do you think what do you think are the lowest hanging fruits that we can do better on?
0: Basic user interfaces for things like wallets. I mean, you open. You open a wallet for somebody who's new to the whole thing. Things need to be much, much simpler. And a a lot of that's down to just like when you hover over a word within a wallet, it needs to tell you what that means. So Mm. a transaction where you just go the address that you're sending it to, how much you're sending it and label. Now, often it will just say address, amount, label. You actually, it's, uh, to people who are new to cryptocurrency, they have no idea that you can send a label with a transaction. Like, And it's mm. sort of explaining just the basic things on that. Often you want to hover over the word label, and it just says, look, what label do you want to broadcast publicly yeah. with this transaction? Yeah. Or, you know, if it's public or private, because, uh, you know, some people aren't particularly sure about those things. Mm. But... Just making mobile apps look incredible and making the experience just absolutely seamless on that front. Because
1: it's meant to be cool, isn't it? Like this stuff's meant to be cool. Mm, It's it's mm, internet money. mm, mm. It's money for the digital age. It's like pretty punk. You know, like it's pretty, we're sticking it to the system. Mm. You should download a wallet and it should look Sexy.
2: Mm,
1: yeah. It should look sexy and you should feel like you're in the 21st century. Mm, not animations. like you're on Microsoft DOS.
0: hundred percent. How things look, as far as a user's concerned, that's how it is. Yeah. And you could have the most amazing stats in your cryptocurrency, but if it looks ugly ass, yeah. people are like, this is not a particularly exciting thing. Yeah. mate. there's been an extended bear financial market. Which is giving great opportunities to some people and letting a lot of projects die out. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I think it's been good. I think it's been really good. Like the last, how long has it been now? Like nearly 10 months Jeez, we've had yeah. like a, a proper bear market. Mm. And it's, I think it's been really refreshing. A lot of people just seem to be getting on with building things now Mm. because a lot of the money is slowly drained out of the market. I feel like a lot of the scamminess has gone away. Mm. It's still around. There's still people Mm. trying Mm. to make a a quick buck, but it's nowhere near as bad as it was Mm. earlier on in the year. And so I think it's been really good. I think it means that you're in a financial market that does still have some basis in human psychology. When that's happening, you got to frame a reference for it. Mm. And I think that's really good. And I think it is just great that we can we can sit here and we can talk about projects. We can talk about what's going on. I think actually that's one of the biggest things I've noticed is that I remember around that time, probably from around September last year till about January this year or even February, so many podcasts, YouTube videos and every, everything else were talking about price. Mm. It was always the current price of... Bitcoin is this and did you see this one at 10x Uh, it was just price price, 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 price all the time money, money, money Mm. that all kept going for a while afterwards but now if you listen to most podcasts you watch most crypto or blockchain related videos no one's talking about the price Mm. they're talking about what's happening with projects they're talking about what's happening in different countries what are regulators doing what different features coming to different coins are merchants accepting it Et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And that's great because that's mm-hmm. real tangible mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. We're not focused on speculation. We're not focused on investment. We're focused on, well, what's this stuff actually going to do? Because if you believe in crypto and you believe in what it's trying to do, which is create an internet monetary system fr- free of the banks, so free of third-party intermediaries, then it shouldn't matter to you what the price is really, I don't think. Mm. You should just be using mm. it and trying to use it as much as you can. Mm. The price is just kind of a nice added bonus. So, mm. yeah.
0: And we're not going to try and sit around and tell you when this bear market's going to end because, I mean, reading the madness of a crowd is, is for braver people than ourselves. Well, it's funny because you'll see like
1: pretty much every day, like we both subscribe to Feedly and you'll get the headlines come in every morning. And it almost seems like one day, somewhat they're saying that Bitcoin's going to, someone, some industry expert saying Bitcoin's going to go up. The next day, they're saying it's going to go down. Mm. So they don't even know what's going on, mm. and there's just all these people taking guesses. But
2: mm, you
1: know, it'll go up when it's good and ready.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah, I guess following on from that, there's
0: you know much less interest in ICOs. Mm. And what do you think? Sort of, what do you think sort of been driving that? Or do you, Do you think that's just been a uh, having a protracted bear market has just sort of scared a lot of these people off from the whole market, including ICOs, or is there more to it than
1: that? I think so. I think that's part of it. I think there's a few things. Obviously, that's the most obvious one is that the market's slowed down and a lot of the money's gone out of it. But I think people are generally wising up as well to what ICOs actually are, Mm. which is selling air, Mm. like just selling you tokens. for You're not really getting anything in return. And that's okay. If you want to kickstart a project and you believe in it, that's that's great. And if the market decides that there is some intrinsic value to those tokens or if they do serve a real purpose on the network, which is more than a means of exchange, um, then, yeah, there might be some value to some of them. But uh, but I think people are wising up to when projects aren't doing that. You know, People are wising up a lot more to tokens that don't have any... Need to exist in any genuine use case. Do you remember when we went to that Nem event
0: last year? And I'm I was pretty shocked when it happened. Now, I I was I was very excited with the crypto market and seeing all this happen, and then it suddenly got to a scary point where it was like this is not right. When somebody asked the audience, "How many of you guys are considering starting an ICO?" and it was something like. of the room put their hands up
1: I think it was I think it was more like 20%
0: it was scary yeah that should be a red flag but obviously you can't predict the future but when that many people at a meetup are looking to run an ICO I remember we were both pretty concerned
1: and it it was attracting everyone and everyone was saying oh I want to run an ICO and it's like do you have any blockchain experience? Do you understand tokenomics? Do you understand game theory? What is your use case? But (laughs) Lambo. But it was like that, you know, and Mm. and I remember there were several projects we met there on that night that I've never, I haven't heard from since because it was right before, I think it wasn't too far before the the bear market really set in. Mm. And yeah, we met several that were saying they were pretty close to ICOing and then... Haven't heard boo from them since. So it's amazing what happens when, when money goes out of a market. The, the people who are sticking around now are the people generally that are genuinely wanting to do something mm. and solve a real problem.
0: So this is the fantastic depression.
1: Yeah. I think it's really, really good, really healthy.
0: Seeing Dan, Dan the ICO man, begging on the streets. (laughs) It's
1: a good
3: sign.
1: We've also been seeing, so this year another trend we've seen is the rise of Azure, IBM, Amazon, and other platform-based blockchain integration services, I guess Mm. you'd you'd call them. They're already established platforms, but they're all bringing in some element of distributed ledger. Mm. Um, And we've seen IBM particularly a lot in the news at the last few months, haven't mm, we? Mm,
2: mm,
1: yeah.
0: And yeah, on the on the back of these platforms from these big big cloud companies, he's seeing a lot of the big enterprises jump on this. I mean, over the last year, you and I can like or, or, the news that we've covered, you know, you've seen JP Morgan talk about stuff, well, and they're behind some of those big projects. You see Goldman Sachs look at their Circle USD token.
1: Mask. Yeah, yeah. just
0: institution investors, but just big enterprises
1: as well. Mm. Yeah. And and you've got, I don't think we even covered it in the news, but you've got like the, the president or prime minister of Malta who recently talked at the UN. I think it was only a few days ago. I think it was the UN he talked at. Oh. And he said to everyone there, like all these leaders, all these countries, that you have to accept that cryptocurrency is the future of money. Once you accept that, everything will be a lot better and you can start preparing for it. But you've now got not only big business, but governments beginning to believe in this stuff as well. And yeah, there's small countries
0: at the moment, mm. but... But some of the innovative ones, like Estonia, their digital citizen sort of program mm. they had.
1: And yep. Yeah. Yeah,
0: it's just getting... It's slowly moving, but that's what you see, is you see we've passed a peak of a hype cycle, yep. but then we're sort of... Blockchain is happening,
1: yep. regardless of you know, how the market's going, but blockchain is happening. And whether people think it's a good use or not, the reality is it's happening in a lot of different industries as well. People Mm. are genuinely moving their multi-billion dollar supply chains over to it, whether it's the best fit or not. Some Mm. people argue that it's not. And Um, they'll find out. And I think, yeah, moving back to Azure and Amazon and all that, I think that's what we're seeing, is that we're seeing that those guys who are saying that, look, this is a platform you're already familiar with, you're just putting a new arm to it, that's where enterprise and big business seem to be more comfortable implementing these solutions, not on the public chains, but... I'm something they've got a little bit more tangible control over and they've got the market clout to say this is their own distributed network because they've all got a lot of suppliers and a lot of parties to say, we're still going to run a distributed network. It's just not going to be as distributed as Ethereum or Bitcoin, the Bitcoin network. And that might be okay. I think, I think sometimes we get too tied up on this. It needs to be completely open and it needs to be completely worldwide. You know, it's, things generally happen in stages with these companies. And even if, the, if it's an intermediary stage where these guys build their own mm-hmm. blockchain solution and they bring in their 300 suppliers and all get it happening on that smaller one, well, then we can work on a bigger one down the track mm. if we need yeah. to, you know. But something like Azure, which I've played around with, is, is gold for that kind of thing. Yeah, you lock yourself into Microsoft Service, but what you get in return is integration with a huge array Mm. of already existing enterprise suites and solutions. I mean, from the other end, we've also seen that governments have been increasingly taking note of the blockchain sector mm. as well.
0: And some have absolutely hated it and, and cast it out and banned it completely as something that is akin to sort of witchcraft. Mm. Other people have been very pro-cryptocurrency. I mean, you've seen Australia has had quite a sort of a liberal-ish approach to it. But then yep. you have Malta, which is absolutely uh, opens, opened its arms yep. up to Binance and said, come in, we love you. Yep. We'll change our laws yep. so that you can operate here. Yeah. Which was crazy, and they'd left what Singapore or Hong Kong yeah, or somewhere else. Yeah, they were.
1: I think they were in Japan or something sheesh there. Like, sheesh. and Malta's a really interesting one because more and more people are talking about it now as well. Like, more and more crypto projects are saying, "Well, we need to be in Malta." Mm. Yeah, and we like. Why? Why should we even base ourselves anywhere else? Because so, they're so friendly.
0: Yeah, like Gibraltar is for casinos. Yeah, Malta is going to be for crypto. Mm.
1: Hmm. And they've made a really, they whoever decided that. In the cabinet is a, is a genius because they're quickly establishing themselves as a hub as a place that most people want to base themselves out of because if you if you register yourself there all of a sudden you know you can you can be fully compliant with a a statutory regime but it's also really friendly
0: and that's going to attract IBM to there yep. so that they can fi- get the first pick on investments. You can yep. just see investment companies move there, so they yep. have an office there, so yep. they have
1: people there. Governments for the longest time hadn't had an issue with it because it's directly attacking the monetary supply. That's it's part of the issue. It's 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 taking away credibility from the sovereign currency. I think once these these governments are starting to realize that a global financial network makes sense, and if they if they are early. Actors or adopters in in that global financial network, it will actually give them a huge leg up because Mm. it will mean there's a lot of money coming in Mm. and a lot of investment coming in for a lot of those projects. Mm. And so if they can hold themselves out to be quite friendly towards that stuff, there could be some big advantages economically. From the other perspective too, we're we're seeing more and more well-thought-out regulation around this stuff. Mm. Like governments are finally getting a handle on what the technology does Mm. and what it doesn't do. Mm. And they're beginning to bring some more regulation that actually makes sense out around this stuff.
0: What sort of stuff sticks out to you on that?
1: So, I mean, obviously I'm biased because I keep a track of mainly the Australian regulation, but ASIC recently, so Australian Securities Investment Commission, they brought out guidance recently on ICOs and reading through their guidance, it was really well thought out and they basically said, look, here's, here's the definition of several different types of financial products. And this is what they mean. And this is how they might apply it to the ICO space. But here's also a definition of misleading and deceptive conduct. And they said, this is mainly what we look for. They said, if you avoid this, you're going to have a lot better time. And you probably, we'll probably be able to work with you to get through everything else. Mm. If you need to be a security, we'll be able to work with you to get to that stage. We're fine with that. And I was reading it. I, I, I went into it. Feeling really skeptical because I'd seen the, the tax office. On the other hand, hasn't given very good advice. Yeah. But the more and more I was reading through it, the more I nodded. You know, I was like, "No, this is this is pretty good. Like, this is pretty good guidance."
0: I mean, on top of that, you've even seen like a, a few different countries around the world. We've seen this discussed having national cryptocurrencies. Yeah. So sort of centrally controlled by their bank. However, you know, so they still have the the power over the the money mm. supply. Yeah, so with Venezuela and their and their Petro, I think I saw a piece the other day that was saying that Venezuela want their citizens to pay for um, passports using Petro. However, the amount to pay for a passport is about two months' worth of wages. So it's interesting, but
1: because yeah. the Petro was designed to revitalize their economy, wasn't it? It was kind of like they're they're essentially saying our currency is broken, so we're going to build a new currency.
0: And sort of get around sanctions and all these yeah. sorts of things, like yeah.
1: defi- the
3: financial
0: attacks that they see are being aimed at their country <laughs> from a very close neighbour who doesn't like them. Yeah, so you've had Venezuela. Then we've had Saudi- uh, Iran. We're talking about having a, a national cryptocurrency. Mm. So we haven't heard much. Dubai, from that, so. Dubai's
1: Dubai has been right? very involved. China as well. I spoke oh, to yeah. some of the guys that had been on the recent trade mission from Australia to China. Yeah, they had some really interesting views on what China are doing. They said China are are getting into blockchain in a huge way. Wow. They actually said they're a long way ahead of basically anywhere else that they've seen. It's just you don't hear about it because it's in China. Well, that is fair because we we covered a
0: piece a few weeks back where it was about, you know, they'd opened up a one-hour program to hundreds of millions of people on their TV about blockchain and its
2: potential. Mm. Mm. But
0: then equally so... Next door to China, we have Russia. It's whole Eurasian Economic Union. Yeah. They're building blockchain products for their banks to work together, for them to, like, those businesses, to, for banks to operate
1: there. Yeah. So it would be no surprise. Well, it's just, if you've got an open distributed ledger that records everything, it's great for the Chinese mm. government. I mean, you can see why they would want to get into it in such a big way because it, it actually allows them more traceability more auditability of of their citizens. The only problem is transparency. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. (laughs) I love China. (laughs) You can see it around the fringes and the amount of little bits of news that leak out every now and then. Oh, this company's doing this, this company's doing that. Yeah, I think it's going to be huge. And I think more and more as they begin to flex their trade muscles and this Silk Road gets up, I think we've talked about this before, you're probably going to see a bigger push from Chinese Interests and companies to say, kind of like what Walmart are doing in our in our bit of news earlier. You guys need to get on this
0: if you want to do business
1: with us. That's right, yeah, mm, because mm. this is this is allowing us to have everyone on the same page. It's well, it's one of the advantages of. I mean, we say it's one of the advantages of a dictatorship, mm, you know? mm-hmm. uh, communist China is not that dissimilar from a. Essentially, you've just got a party that's dictating party sets the agenda, and that's you the make agenda. a decision.
0: It happens. There's no yep. debate, no nothing. And in some ways, you can say like that. It is one of the real benefits of dictatorship: is things get done. They get done.
1: Like if you yeah. like it or
0: not, it gets done.
1: Yeah, you know, if if you want to if you want to bring something into businesses, it gets done. If you want to ostracize a certain amount of your population through social engineering experiments. It gets done. It's true, but yeah. I mean, conversely, in our own system, we'll debate things for a very
0: long time, and we'll have some thorough debate and decide whether or not somebody is right to be a, you
1: know, a leader or a judge or yeah. things like that. But
0: yeah. Um, yeah, it takes a very long time to happen.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, they've been doing it for a year or two already, and they're moving on. You know, they're laughing at us. And, and it sounds like from the top down, there's been a decision made that blockchain is the way forward for the country. And so they're jumping in headlong. So, yeah, that's going to be a really interesting one to watch. It's just hard to find news on China. Mm. Like it's hard to get information out of there on a lot of this stuff. But we might even make a bit more of a focus to check in with China mm-hmm. every check couple. Check in of with China. Yeah. On the show. And now for our check in with China episode, you know, like oh man.
0: there's uh, I'm hearing predictions in your show notes that there is a coming war of smart contract platforms.
1: Yeah, I, I like. I wrote that myself. I don't know if anyone's been saying it. They may have. And if it's if they've coined the phrase already, I'm sorry. But I think there is going to be a time down the line in the not-too-distant future where people are going to have to make a real decision what public smart contract platform they want to use. And you can already see it happening that these smart contract platforms are trying to compete with others. You've got yeah. Ethereum, which is the current incumbent, and you've got a whole bunch of developers trying to push it But it's like what we were saying before, it takes a long time to get anything done. It's clumsy, it's unwieldy, it's old tech, and it just seems to be dying a really slow and painful death. But that could all change. They could pull a rabbit out of their hat and Plasma might get implemented or something else and away we go again. But then you've got newer platforms like EOS and Cardano and VeChain and... Tezos and all the other different platforms and they are all building essentially generation three platforms. They're they're making certain sacrifices for speed or usability or security but they're trying to build themselves as enterprise grade solutions from the get go Mm. and generally what they have is they've got a core development team who are kind of like a dictatorship. They've got Mm. a very strong vision, They, they run themselves like a company and they get stuff done. I mean, You look at the Cardano roadmap and there's stuff getting ticked off that roadmap all the time, Wow. and so they're they're they're, they're very quickly building really robust core platform protocols, mm. and and what that means is that then they've generally got a they've generally got a app development arm as well that's very funded by venture capital and they're able to accelerate projects very quickly, applications, and I think in the not too distant future people are going to have to really decide who they want to go with. Yeah. Because there's going to be several really compelling options. And I'm seeing that there's some real work being done around side chains on the Bitcoin network now. Mm-hmm. And people are beginning to talk about maybe the possibility of having some robust smart contract framework frameworks and something like Bitcoin, which would allow you to build contracts which transacted in Bitcoin, which would just completely change the game again as well. So, yeah, I think there's a there's a war coming. There's, a, there's going to be a time down the track when all these platforms are going to really begin ramping up the rhetoric about what they can do and what the other platforms can't do because there'll be economic incentives for them to do it. And there's going to be pros and cons for different projects jumping on the platforms as well. So there's going to come a time where there's probably going to be three or four attractive Platforms And it might be like car manufacturers, you know, mm. which car manufacturer you're going to choose or which operating system is probably more more apt example. And, yeah, I could see it becoming a little bit like that model.
0: Mm. Yeah. yeah. Mm.
1: So that's something to watch out for Do too. Do you reckon it may depend on which region
0: you're doing business in? So, for example, yeah. Australia building theirs, China building a system for there, and if you want to work with theirs, you'd have to work with their smart contract system?
1: Yeah, it, it, yeah, definitely. And look at you, that's – I didn't even cover the government-sponsored – blockchain initiatives but yeah that's something that, that that may come into it as well yeah like it makes sense to go where other businesses are already on and I think a lot of it probably is going to come down to user experience like you've said you know what what platform makes it the easiest and the quickest for businesses to build robust smart contracting arrangements with each other mm. the next part I wanted to ask you about this mate is that we've seen a lot of projects recently who are just trying to sprinkle blockchain A lot of things, and that's been one of the trends, probably for the last twelve months. You You do wonder
0: whether people want to use the blockchain for the sake of using blockchain, Mm. whereas there's really got to be the question of, you know, do I actually need it, or do I just Mm. need a database? Mm. Which, in most cases, you just need a database. I mean, where blockchain, to me at least, seems like it's most useful for things that are massive in scale. Yeah with a large number of users who need to access the same sort of data and, you know, potentially need it all to be in the open. Not necessarily, but, I, you know, for, for things like cryptocurrencies, it, it makes – I don't see the value in being centrally controlled and closed down, but using a blockchain sort of makes sense there. But for sort of tracking your own company's products, if you're just making a few, you know, thousand products a month, then – doesn't really make you
1: just build an expensive database yeah a very yeah.
0: expensive one yeah yeah then it just needs to be the question is do i need a blockchain maybe yeah. we need to make a quiz for the website should i use a blockchain <laughs> no <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah you're right you need to really be asking what am i trying to achieve here you know, do i need finality in my data mm. you know, do i need that data to be stored in a manner when where people can see that final finality and People can bank on that finality and it can't be tampered and it with, it can't be tampered with, mm. you know. And, and it's important knowing that there's a source of truth that can't be tampered with, and it's important to be able to then execute certain types of business logic and code and programming based on that, and that can be quite powerful. So, we've got coin market cap open here. We thought we might as well circle back around to the money for a little bit. We thought we'd Just discuss a little bit of where the market actually is.
0: So, well, Bitcoin stays well in the lead at number one. It's
1: actually returned; like it's got more market dominance than it did a few months ago, too, doesn't it? Mm, mm, mm. It's really kind of picked up. So,
0: I mean, where we sit right now, Bitcoin is about fifty-two percent of the market.
1: Ethereum's about
0: ten percent of the market. Yep. Bitcoin Cash is four point one two percent of the market. Litecoin one point five six. Ripple. 8.77% Eight point seven seven percent of the market. So Ripple has sort of surprised me this year. I'd say mm. I, I personally hold none of it and don't think I will. No,
1: but still, no one can explain what the Ripple token actually does, like where its value is. Because Ripple's, I mean, at least what they say is they're a settlement layer for the banks, mm-hmm. but their proprietary technology, which is they're building that settlement layer with. Is behind the scenes and it doesn't run on Ripple's coin.
0: Mm. And so those big banks don't actually need Ripple's coin. No, they don't use to Ripple, do anything. The coin Ripple at all. So I guess uh, it's more of a thing to trade between people who use Ripple.
1: Yeah, yeah. I guess it's just a unit of exchange. I guess on a on a stock standard blockchain, which is confusing as to why it's so big. Then, mm.
0: and then you know you've got other ones such
1: as EOS, which.
0: You know, some people are fans of other people think it's a, a, a big sort of scam from a, a genius scammer who's a, who's
1: a, yeah, which who's is still, still working at the project. And oh, but and he'll, move at he'll move any mm, day, he'll yeah, move, yeah, yeah.
0: But yeah, so there's, I mean, Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash, I mean, those two communities sort of are constantly talking each other down. Mm. Um, I, un- I only hear sort of the Bitcoin Cash fans shouting loud, but I mean, there are plenty of Bitcoin fans who spend all day. I'm sure shouting about Bitcoin Cash. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, this this yeah, Stellar has grown quite a bit in the year. Mm. Tether is still around, which is impressive. So maybe it is, you know, an actual one-to-one US dollar backed stablecoin.
1: Yeah, and look, if it's not, maybe they're having. They've got the time now to make sure it is when that. It- the time comes for an audit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um Carlano's still in the top 10 and I uh, you know they're they're relatively cheap compared to where things were a while ago. Mm. Um Monero rounds up the the top 10 being there, which
0: is yeah, which is sort of not surprising considering it powers a lot of these marketplaces alongside Bitcoin. So mm. yeah.
1: Some of our favourites have really dropped out of the, the market cap rankings recently, haven't they? Mm. Well, not, even in the not-too-recent future. I mean, PIVX, which is one of our our favourite ones, it's it's quite a long way down now. What's it at? Position 94. Wow, I can remember when it was at like 20. Yeah. Back in the day. Yeah. Well, is Cloakcoin in the... Is it in the top? No,
0: Cloakcoin is is nowhere to be seen. Uh, 305. Cloakcoin is
1: absolutely tanked. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I'm... I've I've been sort of pretty you know I've still been pretty excited by it but yeah I, it, it's completely collapsed.
1: Yeah basically it's been a really tough time for most like altcoins altogether. Mm-hmm. I think like mm-hmm. if you were going to take one strategy after the just before everything burst you probably would have almost been best served by just putting everything in bitcoin or even better putting everything in tether but if you're going <laughs> to keep your uh <laughs> if you're going to keep your money in crypto, Bitcoin seems to generally be the best long-term strategy mm-hmm. overall. I feel like what I what I probably would
0: have learned if I'd gone through this again would have been just look at what is being used, mm. like very much like used and adopted. Mm. But it's, it's difficult to do when things are growing. But yeah, just keep an eye on what marketplaces, which coins, which marketplaces are using and then just using them. Monero would have been a good... Could sort of hold for that.
1: Yeah. 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 And look, Bitcoin, I mean, everything that takes crypto takes Bitcoin. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to change anytime mm, soon. Mm. So it's, it still is very much the gateway to everything else. And as long as people, it's the gateway to everything else, people are going to be buying a lot of it. Yep. Yeah. 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 So hashtag buy Bitcoin. Okay. So if you had to make some predictions for the next year, and these can be like hot takes. These can be, mm. I'm not, we're not going to cool. hold you to Kill. cool, cool. You know, um, Perfect. What would a few predictions for you be for the next year or so?
0: I'm going to say slow, steady adoption, but just people just sort of buying things, buying some of the top coins up, institutional funds. You know, One of them in one country manages to get some regulation, puts just a tiny percent in, and we see some movement. Um, simultaneously, we see people see the price go up and sell. I guess my predictions would sort of be continued improvement in user experience and education so people sort of understand how things work, but also around the world, more off-ramps because mm. it's very easy to buy cryptocurrency, but it's not so easy to get rid of it in, in a lot of countries. Yep. So that would be something I'd be interested in watching. Yep. And then just the growth in use of mobile apps for crypto stuff.
1: Mm. It's, not okay. really, it's, not, it's not particularly exciting or bold, but what about yours? So in six months' time... Ripple soars and then it crashes really, really hard. Drops into, say, number 50, coin market cap. And all the investors are really, really upset about this. So they decide to take the remaining market cap of Ripple and they invest it into using this new quantum computer that we talked about earlier and renting this quantum computer. Yay. There's some smart people that were Ripple fans. They put together a, uh, a program to crack blockchain encryption altogether. They say if if, if we, we can't, can't have it, it we're going to no burn it to the ground. Yes. And so they 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 put all the remaining market cap of Ripple into this. It's a big slush fund. Yes. They get to the last $100. Last $100, they break the encryption, break blockchain wide open. Whole market cap plummets. Bust this wide open. Goes to zero. Wow. Um, and, and all of a sudden- Venezuela, who had the Petro, are the only solvent blockchain left. They ride in to save the day. Yes. Petro becomes the world's yes. new reserve current li- currency. Yeah. The dollar. Dis- that's right. Oh. Displaces the US dollar. And uh, Venezuela becomes the richest country in the world and look like genius. Wow. And, and they make all Ripple investors honorary citizens. Wow. And so Ripple gets the last laugh again. Oh. That's a beautiful vision of the
0: future. Nicolas Maduro for world leader. Yep. You heard it here first. I'm not going to question that. That's
3: beautiful.
1: Look, I've been saving that one up. (laughs) (laughs) Call me the oracle. But in all seriousness, I think we're going to see, uh, like you said, uh, slow adoption. Businesses are going to get more and more into this. I think we're going to see blockchain technology used in some really new and exciting ways. I think you'll continue to see Bitcoin being very relevant. And uh, probably just, I think it will stay quite dominant for at least the next year, at least the next two years probably. And uh, yeah, the coming smart contract war, platform war, I think will be really interesting. I think Mm. there'll be a lot of innovation that comes out of it. I think we'll probably end up with three or four really solid networks that enterprise and business in general begin using. And you're probably also going to see the rise of national blockchain networks or consortium, like nations might make a consortium of networks or something, and and operate in economic zones or something. But yeah, I think I think that's that's all on the cards. Geez, smart legal agreements too. So when we left our intrepid reporter Jordan, Jordan Cronier last time, he had discovered a room in News Corp in Australia, which is run Mm. by Rupert Murdoch, which essentially enabled you to input what you wanted in the news. It sounded a bit outlandish until he actually tested
0: the system and that surprised us at the FOMO show. I mean, it was pretty plausible.
1: Mm. I mean, Mm.
0: not since Darren Brown predicted the lottery have I seen something so implausible.
1: And so he... Of course, got in trouble then Mm. For a form of corporate espionage Last we heard from him He was running away from the police Shouting You'll never take me alive Mm. But surprisingly He's got in touch with us Wow He's somewhere in the world Um, So let's give him a call And find out What he's been doing Mm. Jordan, are you there? Oh, hey, mate How you going, huh? Good, Jordan The line's a little bit scratchy But I, I can't hear you Um it sounds like you're a little bit busy though. Do you want me to call back? Is this oh, a bad time? No,
3: no worries. I've just got to, you know, usher people away and how it
1: goes, huh? Uh, well, no, I don't really know how it goes, Jordan, but I, I was a little bit perplexed to get your call because the last we heard from you, I think you were running away from the Australian Federal Police. You just kind of hung up and what happened? It was a
3: pretty daring plan, right? You know, you've probably heard all kinds of people come to Australia on wooden boats. Nobody is looking for people getting out of Australia on wooden boats. Jordan Cronier escapes. um, I'm in the Pacific. I'm back on this island. I landed. Guess what? You'd never believe this. I landed on the same island where I introduced the coconut coin
1: cryptocurrency. Okay, Jordan. Wow. There's a lot to unpack there. First of all, you escaped the Australian Federal Police. I mean, how long were you on the run for? It,
3: It wasn't actually that long. You know, Uber drivers are very quick to pick you up disappear like
1: a flash, huh? Okay, so then you hopped on one of these asylum-seeking boats that everyone was getting out of. Do you have any boating experience, Jordan? Not at all, eh?
3: Huh? But there's, there's apps on your phone for navigation.
1: You're always fun, huh? Okay, so then you you found your way back to this specific island. You wouldn't believe it, huh? Okay, so tell me about this, Jordan. This is, this is the same island that you were on before you went hunting for Bitcoin whales. I land on this island
3: and you wouldn't believe it. I'm a nationalist. Everybody here knows who I am. they have welcomed me back as a saviour, as a messiah who's returning. This coconut fell from a tree and the shape of my face was spilt from the coconut. And Jordan Cron here was thus immortalised as the the Messiah of
1: Coconut Coin. Okay, so a coconut fell from a tree and, and, and so they decided that you were you were predicted to return? Well look, I mean
3: I am one of the biggest holders of coconut coin, so when I had coconut coin for everybody, everybody was happy. Okay,
1: so coconut coin, uh, I mean, is it, is, has it been adopted as the island-wide currency or something? Everybody it? uses
3: it for every transaction in this country. It is unbelievable. It is the widest crypto adoption you've seen of any country ever.
1: Right. Okay, so when you came back then, they, you said they welcomed you with open arms. I mean, what did that look like? Oh,
3: the children after you. The fastest growing baby name of 2018 is Jordan. Jordan is the first name and
1: Cronje is the middle name. So Jordan, aren't you worried about the Australian government coming after you over there? I mean, Australia's still not that far away. They've got boats too.
3: Story actually, um we actually got the new Prime Minister of Australia, he came through he actually came through on a helicopter, he came in to come and visit me. You know, I visit the country as a foreign dictator, he's one of his first sex um, as Prime Minister. He comes in, he comes and says hello, he's like oh, how how you and then suddenly he tweaks with him that oh, I'm Jordan Cronier, I'm um, and all of his security, they're very worried because you know I'm wanted in Australia, but they cannot touch me. My people surround me, they they keep Jordan safe nothing you can do to touch me. I'm, I am the king of the coconuts.
1: Was it hard for, for Mr. Morrison dealing with you, knowing what you'd done to, to Mr. Murdoch, who's a, who's a very powerful figure in Australia?
3: You could see the hatred in his eyes, but in an act of pure diplomacy, he had to shake my hand, he had to bow in a, as traditional, in our country, and uh, he faces me as the, the king and ruler that I am. That is diplomatic protocol, huh?
1: What would you say the best thing about being king is then, Jordan?
3: Oh, I think it's the fact that I can just buy everything I want. And I mean, the, the more you buy, you know, the, the more expensive things get, so you're actually living in luxury, yeah. Huh?
1: How much of this currency do you hold? Because I assume you did a pre-sale of this coin before you gave it to the general public.
3: Oh, look, I, I, you know, as one of the co-creators of this coin, I actually... Hold a whole large proportion, but that's yeah, that's beside the point. I, I'm the king, of course
1: I do Well, Jordan, look, it sounds like things are things are finally looking up for you. I hope you're planning on staying put on this island for a significant period of time, and and it actually probably means that you do now have some time to uh to catch up with that backlog of articles that we've had for you. Look, we're really looking forward to having you write the articles for us really soon. Funnily enough, I've left
3: my, uh, you know, my phone screen. Broken, I can't use a keyboard on there, I haven't got a laptop. All I have is coconuts and a country full of people. I'm very busy here. It's, it's, it's not an easy job being a king. Anyway, I've got to go. I should use
1: it. Wow. Um, well, things are actually really looking up for Jordan. I'm still not sure of the mechanics of coconut coin though. No. Uh, I think something, something still seems a little bit off there for me. Anyway, look, I guess it would probably be nice for him. So
0: he could swim in the crystal clear waters? No worries. Yeah,
1: we might have to go visit him over there as well yeah take him a laptop too if you know someone who might enjoy this please feel free to share it with them you can find us at FOMO.show you can jump on our telegram at FOMO.show slash telegram
0: follow us on twitter at the underscore FOMO underscore show
1: you can find us on facebook at facebook.com slash the FOMO show
0: and youtube at FOMO.show slash youtube
1: that's it for us here at the FOMO show thank you so much for joining us if you like our show please do feel free to subscribe in your podcast app of choice or via our YouTube channel. I'm Matt. And I'm Joe. And as always remember, no family. Yeah, well they said a similar thing with, like, cab drivers, don't they? Like, if you hop into a cab and the cabbie gives you investment advice, you know that it's time to get out. <laughs> <laughs> I remember hopping in an Uber in January and the Uber driver, when he found out that I was part of a podcast on crypto and did a few other things, he was like, oh, yeah, I'm in this one and this one and this one. And I was like, oh... Okay. <laughs> you're driving an Uber and you're telling me what to invest in. <laughs> yeah. This thing's going to pop. Okay. This should be a game. It should be, is it, it should be crypto conference or church.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All hail Jihan. (laughs) Because there's so
1: many similarities. Look. It's so true. It's like pastor or crypto shill. (laughs) (laughs) We're on a mission. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. We have a higher
0: purpose. (laughs) Yes.
1: Still can't tell.
0: Let's bring freedom to the people.
1: Come on, man. Give me something. We follow (laughs) the book (laughs) from our leader. (laughs) And then it's like pre sale in three months. Like,
2: ah! <laughs> <laughs> <Got it. laughs>
1: Your compliance is appreciated. <laughs> Get five citizen points. Imagine that if you had this voice being like good citizen and bad citizen. <laughs> Just like yeah. everything you do.
0: Oh, mate. That's literally like, <laughs> it's like the, the, what would happen with the China
1: system if we adopted it? It would be yep. like, you've been a very naughty boy. But like the, the scale of what was good and what was bad would be completely different. Oh, you went swim with crocodiles. You've been given 50 good boy points. Great job. <laughs> you've now achieved the rank national treasure. <laughs> Next achievement. <laughs> <laughs> swimming with sharks. <laughs> <laughs>
0: As long as you don't deal in absolutes, yikes. Only a Sith
1: deals in absolutes. Oh,
0: good reference. I almost know what it is. You know the Google captures where it's asking you to identify stuff to prove you're not a robot? Yeah. Google asked me the other day, it goes, Is this a bicycle? Now you're training Google's machine Mm. vision to, Mm. you know, tell if this is a bicycle or not. Yeah. And one of these things was a picture of, you know, on the road where there's a big. Painted bicycle image on the road.
1: Yeah.
0: I clicked, yes, this is a bicycle. So in the future, cars could screech <laughs> to a halt <laughs> when they see a bike painted on the road.
1: So it's literally over the metaphorically dead body of some mm. employee.
0: So we at the FOMO show are hearkening the coming firing of thousands of people,
1: millions of mm. people worldwide, mm. and smiling and laughing about it. Geez, we're good people. <laughs> <laughs> Wherever you're joining us from, pleasure to have you. <laughs> oh mate. If you've been recently laid off, bad luck.
0: <laughs> Brutal. Why not drop into our telegram channel and send us some hate messages? Say hello. FOMO.show slash telegram. It's an absolute pleasure
1: having you. <laughs> we probably better do it again. No, nope, keeping it. I I automatically filter ripple out. Of, like, when I think of, like, coins. Yeah, I keep
0: hearing people, like, oh, I want to buy a Ripple, and so I'm just like, well, what's wrong with you? Yeah.
1: It's third in market cap. What does it do? Ripples. Where is its use?
0: I just hold it, man. Because it's, it's banks to transfer money internationally, it's man. It's the bank coin, it's man. A bank, it's
3: a it's, it's
1: the bank coin. It's a,
0: it's a one to bank on, man.
1: We're going to be so wrong on it. It's gonna, we're just going to be so wrong on Ripple's it. Ripple going to be the... Ripple will be the future, and we'll still be sitting here being like, guys ripples of shit so it's all going to end in tears it's a scar